Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Finance and the Accounting Show. And today we're going to have a very great conversation because a topic that is really, really changing the way that we probably should be thinking about a very critical part of our business is tax compliance. And that's specifically in the sales and use tax area. So we have an amazing business leader on that her job is really to help push and make sure that Avalara has provided the resources, the tools to make this burden a little less heavy on business owners. So you definitely want to stay tuned as we talk about all the great updates coming down the line. Welcome to another episode of the Finance and the Accounting Show. This is the place to go for small business owners. If you're looking for a great way to understand the finance and the accounting side of your business, you're in the right place. So stay tuned and enjoy the episode. So without further ado, let me bring in my amazing guest, Liz Brewster. Welcome to the show, Liz. How are you? I am doing well, Troll. Thank you so much for having me and Happy New Year. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. I guess, how did you celebrate your new year? Oh my gosh. Uh, fortunately, with some friends and family. I know that it was a tough year to do that, uh, just like as we exited 20, but a small group, I would say, got together and we, uh, I, I'm not really a late night person, but I'm happy to say that I, I made it. <laughs> I saw January 1st <laughs> roll around uh, and then quickly went to bed after that. But it was really nice to be able to be with friends and family. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I laugh because, you know, I, I was thinking about like my new year, my, I think New Year's Eve, my wife was, she was like, she wanted to take a couple of naps. And I told her, I was like, just go to sleep. I'll wake you up just before midnight and then you can that go would back to me. sleep again afterwards. <laughs> I should have done that. That would have been me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, it is definitely a pleasure to have you on because I think that there are a lot of changes that people have seen to business in general. And, you know, as we hear about all these changes that are happening, not a lot of people really hear the sales and use tax changes talked about as much. So I'm very excited to have you on to dive into that. But before we dive too deep in that, can you tell people a little bit about your background and just kind of the role that you play at Avalar? Sure. Yeah, happy to. Um, I, I'm also happy to say I wasn't always in tax, but very uh, aligned and focused on a couple of things. I am a kind of self-proclaimed, you know, tech tech nerd. I've always loved technology and understanding how technology can make our lives better, how it creates efficiency, how it can improve process. And really all throughout my career, that's been the common thread is how to leverage technology, how to make things easier and simpler for customers. And that's exactly what we do at Avalara, right? We take this really complex world of tax compliance that every business has to be engaged with uh, as they're starting business or in an ongoing fashion, um, you know, as they're collecting and remitting sales and use tax. Um, and it's burdensome. It's it's a heavy lift for companies of any size, whether you're, you know, just breaking into business or you're, you know, a larger enterprise um, business with, you know, a, a, maybe a significantly sized tax team. Uh, it's really tough. And so, Avalara is in this space to help businesses of all size take on that tax burden and help businesses get back to doing what they do best, which is generating revenue and creating great products or services for their customers. So I've spent the last eight years um, really focused in on a couple of unique areas of the tax compliance journey, um, mostly in registrations. And then at the, uh, the opposite end of I've 
you know, calculated the tax and now I need to put all of that data onto a tax return and get it and the money to the right place on time so we're not penalized. And we provide that services on behalf of thousands of customers all over the globe and um, and do it in an automated way that does exactly what I said, help them get back to, you know, creating, um, you know, activities that are revenue focused for their business and not having to worry about keeping up with the latest trends and understanding what all of the thousands of changes that literally happen all the time in the tax world, um, you know, are doing and impacting their business. We, we help and assist in that space. Awesome. You know, it's very interesting that you say that because, you know, 2020 and, you know, 2019, I think 2021, definitely, it exposed a lot of business owners to the rapid pace that change can happen. And, you know, as people started getting introduced to that and really starting to adjust and look at things like, okay, all right, you know, if I don't have the same level of access to, you know, physical access to my customers, you know, how do I move into more of, of a remote world? Now, a lot of them probably thought about that operationally, like, okay, how do we get our products to people as we're working in a remote world? But were there, as you saw that, were there some sales tax compliance factors that business owners should be thinking about that they just probably wasn't on their radar? Yeah, I mean, it, it, great question. And all of us have been impacted in, in so many ways by COVID, by the switch to virtual working, virtual buying. You know, I wasn't a really big virtual buyer. I have to tell you, my husband, I think, is the king of shopping on Amazon. But that just wasn't wasn't my thing. And we were forced into that and and needed to find just, you know, regular things that we would go out and source um, as consumers we needed to to find online. And so I think for a lot of businesses, it was a necessity to stay in business, right? They ha they had to go and figure out how to get um, their products and services to customers in a new way. And so you're right, while they were considering all of the operational elements of how do I do that? How do I move from a brick and mortar location, you know, maybe sing one store, two store, and all of a sudden have to shift that to a virtual environment. I have to create an e-store or maybe I'm all of a sudden leveraging a marketplace that I hadn't considered utilizing before. You're right. The business is going to think about how do I operationally make that happen? How do I think about my supply chain? How do I think about the customer experience that has to be created in a new and unique way that's very different than what I've done before? However, many of those same businesses were not thinking about the sales and use tax implications. And I, I give you an example, a store in Washington um, near my home, uh, near Seattle, <clears throat> was a really, really popular, very small business, but had this kind of boutique item. Um, and they were known for doing all of this in-person shopping and <clears throat> never really considered having an online presence whatsoever. And of course, went through that whole transition, just like many other businesses, just to stay in business. And all of a sudden, they're selling to customers not in Washington any longer, not just in, in King County and Seattle, um, but they're selling to customers in Oregon and California and Maryland and Vermont. <laughs> and people, because they now have this online presence and they they didn't opt to go through a marketplace just to do their own, um, but only to do their own e-com site. But all of a sudden, 
they have sales and use tax implications that they hadn't considered before. And thanks to the 2018 Wayfair decision, Supreme Court decision, economic nexus, which some of your audience might be familiar with um, and others may not be, all of a sudden was impacting this business. They have, this, like I said, a really, really fun boutique item, but their sales started to skyrocket. And while they're focused on, again, trying to meet the customer experience and demand, which was going through the roof, and they didn't have employees to be able to to meet that demand. All of a sudden, you know, once they caught up, now they're selling, and they're selling into places they hadn't sold before. They have to consider registrations potentially. They have to understand whether they even have an obligation to collect and remit. And if they do get registered and then go through that process, just like they had been doing in the state of Washington for a long period of time, and so. Like I said, and and you mentioned, that's not top of mind for for businesses. They're worried about how do I continue to make money and keep my business afloat. But um, many, many, many businesses found themselves in a situation where fantastic sales took off, but that also meant that they did now have an obligation to collect and remit sales and use tax in places that they hadn't done before, and the rules are different. Um, I'd love to say that, you know, sales tax is not complicated and we all know that's not the truth. It is really, really complicated. And part of what drives that complexity is that every state, county, city, special taxing jurisdiction kind of does it differently. And you think about that in terms of what is or what is not taxable, what are the thresholds for having to register and collect? Um, who's taxable and who's not, et cetera. So it gets really complex really fast. And it can be, as I mentioned earlier, very burdensome on especially small businesses who have very limited resources to um, to drive their business to then all of a sudden have to shift and say, oh my gosh, I've got complexity here. And if I don't get it right, then mm-hmm. I've got potential penalties that I have to pay that you know, I don't even want to think about today, but are real and um, and can cause some financial strain for the business later on. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, you brought up something about, you know, and you mentioned about supply chain because, you know, you spent a, a decent amount of time talking about, you know, the change that it presents as far as their sales go and as they are trying to sell to their customer. When we look at the supply chain, I mean, are there some sales and use tax compliance issues that come up when their supply chain changes? Yeah, without doubt. Um, and, you know, that, that's that been a more recent shift as we've thought about um, where vendors are sourcing their supplies from. And, you know, you're buying from somebody else who has the responsibility to tax you. But at the same time, if they're not taxing you correctly, you may have an obligation to ensure that you're paying use tax. Um, correctly on that. So there's all kinds of implications for businesses, um, depending on what you're buying, who you're buying from, what you're doing ultimately with that product, um, you know, whether it's it's being passed on and, and shouldn't be taxable or you're using a portion of it, et cetera. So yes, and every time you have a change in um, who you're sourcing from, where that's coming from, Yes, you have. You always have to be thinking about sales tax, and it's the one thing nobody wants to be thinking about. <laughs> no, I guess for yourself, you know, you mentioned that you weren't always, you know, a, a a tax person, but you know, 
What was that experience like for you as you came into the world of sales and use tax? Like, you know, what was that eye-opening experience like for you? Well, it, it hit me from a couple of different vantage points. First of all, I was I, I, I shared this story with um, with our CEO actually when I was interviewing. I, I said, Hey Scott, you know I don't really have a background in tax. And he said, No, 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 that's okay. He said, you know, what you've been doing previously absolutely applies. Just think about the all of the content, if you will, that sits out there, what could be taxed and what the rules are, et cetera, et cetera. And that wasn't really different from the prior job that I had in media. We had all different types of content. And think of it as that content needs to be applied in a particular type of way. And I think about it in registrations or tax forms or the actual tax calculation itself. And then kind of reconfigured and that data then needs to go somewhere else and it has to be done on time and accurately. And like I said, I was in media before that and you and I are both consumers of media every day. So if you go back a decade, think about streaming and like all of that was relatively new, but as consumers, we are very demanding <laughs> and our providers <laughs> of that service are equally demanding as well. And when I thought about it in terms of, of that construct and i said okay i may not know the specifics of the content but i understand the data flow and i understand the requirements of a tax agency who wants to ensure that they can see that transactional data they want to make sure it's accurate they want to make sure they get their money on time not a lot different than us as consumers who want to make sure that espn or hgtv or whatever our show du jour is is there and it's it's clear there's no fuzz and you know whatever so in when i when i finally wrapped my head around that i said okay this is this actually isn't that different it's just different content and what blew me away um as i was learning the industry in particular for sales and use tax is the number of taxing jurisdictions which <laughs> are almost greater than 13,000 just in the US alone. So volume, number one. <clears throat> number two, the fact that very few do it the same, right? So there's just an immense amount of complexity because there isn't consistency. And then the fact of frequent change, that they change the rules often. I sat back and said, wow, as a business, <laughs> How do you even stand a chance at keeping up with this? <laughs> it's a full-time business, as we now are, to just keep pace with, with all of that. And with my affinity for wanting to make things easy and simple and create efficiency, just get, you know, get all of the um, non-necessary uh, steps or processes out of the way and just make it streamlined, I knew I had found myself a home and said, there's got to be a better way you know, we've got a great idea here and, and conceptually, and I know that we can help enable thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of businesses to not focus on this, get it done and get it done right, but to be able to really focus on their special niche and their product or their services while still being compliant. 
um, with any tax regulatory agency in the world in any part of the compliance journey. And that's what I actually love about this job is that it's always changing, right? It's always evolving. You've always got a customer with a, a new need or a tax regulatory agency that's changed a rule or some type of reform that's happening. And that part of it, I love the, the constant evolution and trying to leverage technology to ensure that we stay on top of it and that we're helping businesses every day. It's it's a really cool, fun and, you know, great thing to be able to do and and know that you're helping businesses all over the globe. Awesome. You know, and as you talked about, you know, just the constant changes that, you know, where business owners are experiencing themselves, you know, with as you talked about, like with, with, with streaming when it first came out, I mean, it was a little clunky for some people and it, it got better over time. And as that got better, I mean, it, new doors open for people to access the data. Now, as data becomes a, a very big thing, you know, do you see any trends or indications that states are going to put more energy towards, you know, kind of real-time compliance checking or, you know, putting more energy on making sure that businesses that operate in their jurisdiction are compliant? Yeah, I would think about this really in, in two different directions. When you're asking the question, my, my head went one way and I want to make sure that I address this because you're right. When technology changes and we went from having it really be difficult to get streaming content to now like we digitally download, we stream, it, it's just an everyday occurrence. Think about the fact that tax agencies want their piece of the pie right? That's a product or service that they think might be taxable. Go back to the point I made earlier. Not everybody does it the same way. And it's and it's an evolving industry. So it's one of those areas that if that affects your business, um, recognize that there's going to be some change. And there is uh, lots of conversation about what the obligation is to um, the seller and the buyer in that particular transaction. Because if you and I were if I was buying something from you, for example, a digital service, you don't necessarily need to be for the sale to happen to know where I am, but for the tax to be calculated, right? You actually do need to know where I am. And so for, for operational business purposes, a lot of sellers don't recognize that obligation that they have for you to collect, for example, my full address. You just need to know that I'm in the state of Washington or Colorado or wherever I might be. Um, and so that's something that is um, at the top of a lot of tax conversations these days, just digital services. What are the obligations? What's taxable? What's not, et cetera. And I would expect that con to continue to be at the, at the top of many conversations for um, tax regulatory agencies and states, et cetera, as they look to, again, make sure that they're collecting everything that they believe is due um, from a from a sales tax perspective. So that's one point. The second point um, and the question you raised is, you know, are we nearing more real-time compliance? And I think th the short answer is yes. <laughs> when and how we get there is going to take a variety of yellow brick roads. Um, because again, states don't do it the same. Um, I think the general trend toward because we are in a digital world, because our transactions are becoming more fluid, because we can exchange data more rapidly between two bodies, a business and a tax agency, for example, I do think that, that that's a reality. 
Um, and I think that we have the digital tools, we have the technology to eventually be able to, to get to a place. And because some places in the world are already doing this, where a transaction that happens between you and I might pass through a government first. It might be to a, let me send this to the state of Massachusetts to either inform or to validate that the tax that I plan to charge is correct. And so that that particular state knows at the end of the tax period what I should see in terms of reporting and remittance. So that does happen in other parts of the world. I think it will come to a neighborhood um, near us at some point in the next <laughs> five to 10 years. But again, how that happens, TBD. The the flip side of that also, or the uh, adjacent side is, is the remittance itself. And again, I think that, that might take a slightly separate path. There have been some state tax agencies like Massachusetts who have contemplated um, various ways to report and remit um, dollars and data in a more real-time fashion. Um, some even going down the world of split payments. And that's an interesting topic because all of a sudden you're gonna introduce a third party into that. What do I mean by that? A bank, um, for example, when you and I are transacting and I uh, give you my Visa card information, the the state is proposing that at the point of that transaction, they peel off the portion of tax liability that's due and it go directly to the state as opposed to going to you, wow. the business, who then has to remit it later. So that's a lot of complicated technology <laughs> and data transfer. It's possible. Um, but again, you know, it's out there and it's it's being contemplated. And and because, you know, we are moving so quickly when it comes to, you know, data and 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 um, financial transfers in the realm of possible. Yes, it's there. But to do so in a way that businesses can actually be compliant, um, whether again, you're at that the emerging small business, you've just gotten into business, you've got two or 10 employees to the company that's 20,000 or 200,000 employees plus, um, you've got to find a way for everybody on both ends of the spectrum and everybody in between to be able to do it easily. And that's a significant challenge. So it'll be a while, but I do think it's coming. Awesome. Um, you know, it's great to get the insight to that because I, I think is as, as people hear about, you know, the advances in technology, what it allows and gives us access to, I do think that oftentimes people don't think about stuff like this, like, you know, what does this increase in technology look like for, you know, the tax compliance and how could this change the game on that? So it's interesting to hear you you speak about that and just the possibility of what could be down the line. So thanks for, for, for shining a light on that. You're very welcome. So I want to, you know, before we wrap up, I want to, you know, I guess you paint a scenario. You and I are sitting in a room full of accountants who all have business owners as clients. If you were talking to that group of accountants, what's something that you would point out to them to say, hey, here is a sales and use tax topic that you need to be aware of and probably bring it up to your clients. What would something like that be? Um, well, I'd love to take that in two directions. One, because it's it's just really timely around COVID. There have been a lot of um, state tax agencies who have provided some relief around virtual employment. So folks that might work 
used to work in one state, cross a border and they live in another. And the creation of that physical um, employee living in another location typically would have created a nexus obligation for that business. And during COVID, a lot of states have relieved employers of that obligation. So it, that employee living in that second state, they said, hey, time out, we're, that's not going to be a, create, a nexus creating activity. Um, that said, <clears throat> a lot of those are, are being taken away. They're going back to a normal state. So businesses do have to be aware that if their employees are staying in a remote capacity, and it's not the state that they had previously been commuting into, if you will, that that might create nexus for them. And therefore they have a collection responsibility in that second state. So complicated, but relatively easy to, to at least make, to, to create some awareness about. The second one is because businesses of all size sizes now have an opportunity to sell in an omni-channel kind of way, <laughs> this notion of economic nexus still has to be at the forefront of every conversation between a practitioner and a business. Because even though it happened three years ago, businesses now are more, I guess, readily able to go sell onto a marketplace, to sell in an e-commerce way, to also still have a brick and mortar site. And that omni-channel commerce creates all kinds of obligations for them that they may not be aware of. And I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. One of the most consistent things about sales tax is that it's always changing. <laughs> and even though states created Wayfair laws in 2018 and 2019, what we've seen is that several of them have actually modified their thresholds. They've modified the rules that they first put in place and said, if, for example, the first time out, our threshold was $500,000 in gross sales for the year, they perhaps have lowered that threshold. Maybe now it's 200,000. And <clears throat> so businesses have to be aware and stay on top of where am I selling? Where do I have an obligation? Have I created economic nexus or otherwise just nexus, physical nexus uh, with a state and do I have an obligation? The last and related point to that is alongside the economic nexus rules came marketplace rules. And the marketplace rules, again, typically put the onus on the marketplace to collect and remit. However, many times in many states, businesses will still have an obligation to know who's collecting and who's remitting. And that data, even though it's already been put out onto a report, still has to be reported on their own tax return. So if Amazon is responsible for collecting and remitting my Amazon sales, I still have to know what portion of my total sales they collected and remitted, and that has to be reported on my return. And so it even though we talked about data and technology being, you know, a big mover and, and a, a creator of advantages in many ways, oftentimes it does create a burden. And you've got to know what your sources of data are to still um, accurately report that. And if you don't understand the rules, it can, again, become really burdensome for businesses. And that's that's where a lot of our um, accounting partners can be a significant help to businesses um, in helping them navigate that space. Awesome. So now as you speak about, you know, like I said, there's so much complexity in it. There's so much change. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, 
where can people go on, you know, to, to see some of the resources that Avalar has put out and just the different solutions that Avalar can help, you know, kind of make that less cumbersome so the business owners can get back to focusing on running and growing their business? So one thing Avalara is not short on is information. And we make that re readily available um, in really whatever size portion you're ready to consume. And I say that somewhat in jest, but honestly, whether it's just a two minute read on a blog, which you can find on so many different social media sites, um, we're, we're always posting about what was the recent change and who does it impact, et cetera, et cetera. So that's available, you know, find Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we also post those onto our avalera.com site. And, but if you're wanting something more, if you're ready to, you know, really dive in and look for some specifics, that might be impacting your industry or more broadly across sales and use tax. Um, Avalara publishes a tax changes report. And I think we've got it up there on the screen on the avalara.com site. It's a, it's a hefty report It's 70 pages, but cons <laughs> very consumable. Um, we've, we've broken it down into really some bite-sized portions for you to be able to go and read what's relevant for you and for your businesses. And there's a ton of links contained within the report. So, if you want to go look um, and see what we've cited, if you want to dive deeper on a couple of things, have at it. It is there for you and and ready for the reading. Um, but it's a it's a great resource um, for folks who just you know want to understand what is going to be impactful to their business, um, not just now but upcoming as well um, as we move through 2022. And thanks for putting that up there. No problem. So to put a resource together like that, like how many different people are involved in pulling that together? <laughs> uh, that's an ongoing type of project, right, that we have. But, but in honesty, you know, we have content researchers whose full time job it is to make sure that we have got up to date content that's you know relevant for creating tax accurate tax calculations today, knowing what changes are coming in the next couple of weeks or next couple of months. Um, you know, and we're a global company. In particular, um, Europe is just rife with changes um, across the multitude of the EU and individual countries, et cetera. So we've got a significant tax team um, that again is out there doing validations and making sure all that content is available and up to date, but we're a tech company. So we also leverage a ton of technology to be able to go out and just do validations. Basically, is the, is the information we have still relevant? Is there a change? And technology is great to be able to go out and uh, do that validation and make sure that what we've got today is going to be the same as what we've got tomorrow. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, it takes a village. It's a big team to put that together. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Liz, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And I would say before we wrap up, I would say, you know, if there are any final comments or tips that you would share with business owners as it relates to sales and use taxes. Oh, my gosh. Um, automate. Like that's that's my first one. Uh, and I opened with it. You know, you want to be focused on creating revenue generating activities for your business. So whether it's in tax or whether it's in other areas of process automation, et cetera, technology is your friend. Um, there are so many opportunities to, you know, create automated solutions that um, just rid you of that kind of mundane, consistent type of repetitive action. Um, so go out and figure out what you can do to, to automate your business in that capacity. And then second, um, I, one of the things that I, 
you know, regardless of the size of business, I think that is a trait that every business owner needs to have is to be curious, just to get out there and ask questions. Um, in sales and use tax in particular, like I said, changes are only constant. So <laughs> it's a good thing to be out there asking questions and understanding uh, what is impacting your business you know, today and tomorrow and what changes you need to make um, to ensure that you're compliant as you grow and expand your business through you know, the variety of, of channels that you sell through or to the type of customers that you sell to. So remain curious and, um, and we're here to partner with you as you need it. Awesome. Well, Liz, it has been a pleasure having you as a guest on the show. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Finance and Accounting Show. If you like what you heard, don't be selfish. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and then share this with a friend because you know a business owner that could definitely use this insight. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, share it with a friend, and turn on the notification bell so you get all the updates when we release a new episode.